Welcome back, everyone, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Boys, we are on to the new season. First podcast, we're back. Uh, we had our we had a decent summer break, I think, so far. Andres is getting married soon. I'm getting married right after Andres. I'm not. Sam <laughs> is the lucky man that is remaining single and ready to mingle. So let's go. Um, but other than that, the big news that's happening in our lives. Um, how are you guys doing? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Dude, Zach. I was like, is, man, this, is... this guy's gonna go straight into the pod without even asking. No, no. I, I, I care about you personally, so That's I'm asking, time. how are you, Andres? I'm good, man. I. Uh... No, 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 no. How are you? Like, how are you really? I don't think you understand the question, Andres. Yeah. He's asking, think how are it. you? Like on a metaphysical level. <laughs> Sober? I don't know what the question is. <laughs> I uh, survived my bachelor party this weekend. Okay, there you go. And yeah. today we got our wedding license. So, been busy, busy past week. There's no turning back. Wait, does wedding license mean you're officially wedded or what? What does that no, mean? No, it's it's a document that like the guy, like the officiant that will conduct our wedding ceremony will sign and oh, get back right. to the state. Got so it. it's like the document that I need to give to our officiant. So, so it's like right. It's like I'm. It's like I'm at the finish line, and now I just have to wait for somebody to like push me across. Make sure you have a lawyer uh, review that before you sign. Well, you are okay. my lawyer, so yeah, exactly. I hope you will review it. <laughs> I got you. Um, <laughs> Zach, How's your summer? Man? By the way, this is season six of. Well, it's season one, really, of the <laughs> Blues on Parade podcast, but it's our sixth season of having a podcast um, holy shit yeah i know when we started was like we 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 started four managers ago <laughs> just to put it in put it in perspective we've had four managers since uh, are you counting our the first... sitting no i'm not i'm not Wait, what conte... manager did you guys start on conte Season going into conte so conte sorry lampard tuchel mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no no no. There's no hitting after Conte. Conte finished two seasons. Surprisingly. Yeah, it was Conte's second season. We started uh, okay. the year after we won the Premier League. Yep. Um. But yeah, I mean, we're uh, onto a new season, onto a new era, the Todd Bully era, and he started off with a bang. Uh, let's get into our signings. His first signing as uh, interim director of football i'm not really sure what his position is right now he's just the boss the boss man the day-to-day chairman sure. yeah he's he's everything um raheem sterling um apparently handpicked by by tuchel that was the first guy who tuchel said he wanted with all of our all the holes we had on defense um this was the first guy we went after 47 and a half million pound transfer fee he signs on for a five-year contract i'm excited about this signing to be honest uh i wasn't the biggest raheem sterling fan um but obviously now that he's a chelsea player i'm gonna overrate the shit out of him but um 
Zach, what what are your thoughts on the signing? I'm kind of like you. I always made fun of him, and I always think of that Eden Hazard video where he's making fun of him when yeah. he's warming up, and he kind of mm-hmm. has his hands like out to the side with the, the dinosaur wrist. Arms, That's right. kind of like how yeah, the dinosaur arms. It's kind of like how Raheem Sterling runs. Um, but look, overall, this is a top class signing. I don't think there's any other way around it. And you know, you'd be pretty hard pressed to find anybody that knows anything about the game and thinks 47 million isn't a good price tag for a player that has potential player of the season quality. So with that being said, you know, he's 27 years old. Yes, he's on big money, but this is exactly the profile of player that we want to sign if we're looking to add competition to the squad. It's not somebody that is young and up and coming or young and relatively unproven. This is a guy that's been around the league a while now. He's already played at two major clubs prior to coming to Chelsea. So he fully understands what he's getting himself into. Won trophies. He's been part of trophy winning teams. And he just kind of gives us this new look attacking wise. He unlocks defenses um, in particular with his dribbling. So I have a couple stats here. He had the most penalties won in premier league history to date with 23 Um, And then he also, uh, or on top of that, um, you know, Chelsea won the most pens in the Premier League since Thomas Tuchel took over. So we, and that's at 14. So with Raheem Sterling getting added to the squad, that only increases the amount of time and possession and dribbles that we have in the box. So maybe more potential penalties, but also the ability for him to finish in the box with both feet to get around defenders in 1v1 situations and tight spaces to sort of pull that rabbit out of a hat. This is personally, I mean, I can't, I can't ask for a better signing, signing, especially at this price. If I knew going into my director of football pod that Raheem Sterling was available for this price tag, I would have put him right at the top of my list. I'll, I'll keep it short. I was not, I'd never expected this. Like not once did I think that city would sell us Raheem Sterling, nor did I think we would get him for such a cut fee. I think had he not wanted to go back home to London, you're paying easily twice as much money for a guy going into his 27th year. And I feel like he's been in the league for at least eight, nine years because he started as like a teenager for Liverpool. I mean, to keep it short, I think the biggest thing that I, I look forward to with Raheem Sterling is his positioning in the box his runs away from the ball to get into goal scoring positions. I I'm a huge Germany fan and the goal he scored against Germany in the Euros is a testament to that. He ran probably around 50 yards just to get it open three yards away from the pass that he initially made. So that sort of relentlessness in front of goal to get the ball back and score is huge. I know that people love to to shit on him for, for certain misses, like in the World Cup in Russia, where he, he had a bad miss there and, and things like that, but... I mean, I, I I can't really be the judge of of, of misfiring strikers when we're we're Chelsea fans. So if he's doing the right things to get in the right places, I I think he'll be a huge success. And it's not just the the play on the field. This guy apparently is a huge huge personality outside of the pitch and, and in terms of community service, which was a huge thing for who Chelsea is as a club under Abramovich. And it looks like that's going to continue to be important for Bowley and, and for Tuchel within his locker room. So I think it's a 10-10 signing for Chelsea. Andreas, uh, I'm going to disagree with you on one point you, you said as Chelsea fans. 
Um, we're not in the position to judge a player on, on missing sitters. Uh, I'd argue the opposite. We are so familiar <laughs> with it that we recognize it immediately. And I think that's the biggest, um, like, just like a small part of me that is not a huge fan of this signing still. Like, I, I, I do like it, and I'm very hopeful, and I think that there's definitely, uh, you know, like an opportunity for him to flourish in our system. Um, but, I mean, having a guy who is is known for missing sitters alongside other guys who are known for sit, uh, missing sitters. I mean, you guys have heard of MSN, BBC, some of the great front lines. We're going to have SMH. We're going to have Sterling, Mount, and Havertz. Hmm. SMH. And I think I think we're going to be do we're going to be doing a lot of SMHing um, throughout the season. Uh, I definitely did when Havertz missed uh, that wide open shot um, in the friendly against America, the uh. Connor Gallagher pass. But did you guys yeah. see? Uh. Did you guys see where the ball landed? Buckets, dude. Yeah, there was a bucket. It was right in. Maybe he was aiming for that. Honestly, I'm not sure. Trick shots, baby. That's what this is all about. But overall, I'm excited. I think there's a there's a huge potential for him to flourish in, in our in our uh, system, and um, I'm hoping for the best. Now let's talk about. Oh, by the way, he's going to be sporting this number 17 for those of you who are interested. Uh, or care about that stuff. Uh, and speaking of numbers, we've got another center back rocking 26. And uh, it's been a while. Is, yeah, it's been a while. Koulibaly. Th- this has been a long time coming. I mean, this has been something that, according to him, has was first brought up six years ago. We've been trying to buy this guy for six years. Napoli, one of the the most notorious, difficult uh, negotiators. They won't sell a guy unless he specifically requests it. Um, but we got him finally at age 31. 40 million euro transfer fee. Four-year contract with a one-year team option. Um, I think... It's a no-brainer if you're a Chelsea fan that you love this signing. Like, it's it's exact. Yeah. It's it's he's the probably the best available player in this position, and arguably a top five player in this position as well in the whole world. Um, Andreas, what are your thoughts on the signing? I think that this was. A fantastic signing for good value. I believe that, you know, people obviously, including myself, didn't want to let Rudiger go, but we got a guy that fits the aggressiveness, physical, left-sided uh, frame that Rudiger was. Maybe you can say he's a little bit more calm and calculated with his tackles, unlike Rudiger, who is known for just being kind of like a speak first, think later kind of guy in terms of how he plays on the pitch. But on top of adding that physical presence and just kind of safety on the left side, Koulibaly has a passing range much like Thiago Silva's. And 
on top of that, he's also a threat on set pieces. So I know Rudiger scored a header here and there, but to think that like for the first time in a while, we have now Thiago and Koulibaly on the pitch at the same time. I can't think of, of having so much of an aerial threat as that since the times of Ivanovic and Terry on the pitch together. So for me, I think that's a huge, huge bonus because, you know, when we get into, into those games where you're playing a Newcastle that has like six foot plus center backs, we, we're usually the team that lacks height and power when going in for those set pieces that can be the big difference for a team parking the bus. So for me to, to have someone like Koulibaly who almost propelled Napoli to a title challenge by adding goals in the air, I think that's something that people don't really think about from a defender and is, is an aspect of his game that I'm, I'm looking forward to adding to, to the team's um, arsenal. I think it makes it even more important since, I mean, I know Kai's a threat in the air when the ball's in play, but specifically on set pieces, he could be lightweight sometimes. So having that exercise in the back to sort of compensate always helps. Look, I, I, I said this before we recorded. I think this potentially could be the signing of the season. Um, the fact that Rudiger played so well last season and then left us was obviously devastating and you know, before we signed Koulibaly, we were all sort of thinking, well, who the hell could we sign that can possibly come in and pick up where Rudiger left off? Because let's be honest, Rudiger was playing like a top three, top five center back um, for the whole of the last, what, 18 months or so. So Koulibaly is one of those guys that can come in and completely fill the void that, that you know, that Rudiger left. Now, he does bring a different personality type. Like he said, Andres, he's a little bit more calm and collected as opposed to Rudiger, who's more of a shithouser slash, um, you know, free spirit on the football pitch. But the experience that Koulibaly brings and you couple that with, you know, Thiago Silva and whatever other center back they decide to pair with them, if it is a back three, um, you know, that third center back is just going to be able to learn so much off of those two guys. I can't remember a time where we had this much experience in the back and, it makes me excited. Um, so for me, out of all the out of all the potential signings, no matter what signing we make between now and the end of the summer, I think this is for sure the nailed on sure thing signing that we've uh, that that we can expect out of all of them. You know, this is a guy that's going to come in and play well no matter what. There's no doubt in my mind about it. And you look at the price we got him for in comparison to the to the price that Bayern eventually got Delict. You know, it's it's a no brainer. Stop going after Delict and go after him. He's a fraction of the price. He brings all the experience in the world, and he ticks every single box that Delict does as well. So, for me, this is good business. And the fact that we stayed stayed away from a bidding war and stayed away from paying a record mm-hmm. transfer fee for a center back is is amazing because we turned around and we made the sensible deal instead. And, and not just that; it's a center back who the last two three years has kind of stalemated in terms in terms of his growth, while Koulibaly, who is supposed to be the aging one, has been considered overall a top 10 center back in the world in the same time period so consistently yeah and 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 i and i think this should be mentioned too you know a couple of years ago when we were linked to him i mean all those years we were linked to him but specifically the year liverpool got van dyke we were linked to koulibaly and people were saying that koulibaly will be our van dyke signing that's the that's the exact so just to give you guys an idea of the caliber of player we're bringing in this is a top dog in terms of center backs in world football, you'd be hard pressed to find, you know, more than you could count on one hand that are better than him. It's hard to compare the two 
signings just because Van Dyke came from another Premier League team. He had the experience right. in the Premier League. And yeah. this is going to be Koulibaly's first time in the Premier League. So I think there is that question mark, which is valid and fair. Um, a couple of things I just wanted to, to touch on um, based on what you guys were talking about. Um, the whole delict thing. Uh, I was listening to the London is Blue. They had like a mega, mega pod. And I think they were talking to Simon Johnson uh, about you know whether this this is a sign for a new transfer strategy policy for Chelsea where before we were dead set on one player and the other team would know that and they'd use that as leverage and they'd stick to their ridiculous asking price they wouldn't move and we would eventually pay it whereas in this case we went from Kunde to Delict to to Koulibaly, who was probably our th- like our third or fourth uh, uh, like option, I think, in the transfer market. Um, which is not saying you know not not discrediting him because the other players are also fantastic, um, but I think that is kind of a little bit of a foreshadowing uh, of. A sign of things to come just not stuck in a bidding war with ourselves you know yeah one thing that you're talking about in the change of transfer strategy too i mean we just talked about how hard it is to negotiate with napoli mm-hmm. and de Laurentiis and some others whose names weren't like mentioned so far talked about how dealing with Boley directly has been such a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. compared to the last few years under marina like you know as fans, we always try to twist something into a positive. We're like, oh, we're the silent assassins. Like, we work behind the, the shadows and stuff. But in reality, apparently, we've been just a huge pain in the ass to deal with. And Boley has come in, kind of breathing a little bit of fresh air into negotiations and has been kind of matter of fact. Instead of leaving, you know, the clubs that we're pursuing a transfer from in the dark and not communicating and not giving them any updates. So, you know... I know Marina did a good job overall, but it also see, shows that we weren't doing the best possible job to get the targets we were wanting. It wasn't that the other team was necessarily playing hardball with us. It sounds like we were the ones kind of just screwing ourselves over a bit at times because we were trying to be too tough instead of trying to truly open a full negotiation. So props mm-hmm. to Boley for making someone like Dear Laurentiis actually – you know, listen and take an offer so quickly because the Koulibaly deal was done in like 36 hours. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to add anything upon what you guys talked about as far as his leadership, his defensive prowess. I think you guys did a good job explaining that. Um, But the one thing uh, you guys were, I think Andreas mainly was talking about how he was a goal scoring threat and, he hasn't really been as of as of late. Um, last season, he had three goals in all competition. Um, the year before, he only had one goal in all competitions. He had zero Serie A goals, and I know he was injured as well. Um, the year before that, um, well, he didn't have any in 2019-20, uh, and then in 2018-2019, he had one um, or two, actually. So it, it's been five years since he's had 
you know, one of those, uh, you know, in, in 2018, he had one, two, three, four, five goals. So I wouldn't say that he's going to be that contributor that, um, Rud that Rudiger was um, on that end, but he is still a threat in the air. And, um, you know, I, I think that's the one thing that I would, uh, I'd add to, to what you guys already mentioned about him. But just talking more about um, transfer targets, I do want to quickly discuss the whole Rafinha saga because um, that was that was unbelievable. I am kind of happy we didn't end up paying. What was it? Sixty million was that the yeah. number that we were gonna pay um, for him? Because I. Cause I I personally don't think he's worth that amount. I think we got a better player in Sterling for for less. And I think that's amazing business for us. Um, I just want to say fuck Barcelona. <laughs> they are an entitled club. The They probably won't exist in three years. Is that is that reasonable to say? How how the fuck are they able to buy players, man? I don't care what kind of deals and what kind of how much money the deals are worth. You were you announced over seven hundred million in debt. They're how do you make that up in less than a year? A lot of people are giving them upfront credit for twenty five year deals, dude. Like they are selling their soul to the devil. They sold fifteen percent of their TV rights for their next twenty five years to be able to secure Kessier and Christensen only. Like, the, the shady business, the part of how they're getting money isn't the thing that's making me really disappointed with Barcelona. It's the way they're treating their current players. Like, we'll talk about Frankie de Jong later, oh, but yeah. they paid 75 mil for the kid, promised him the world, and now they're telling him they're he's not, I mean, he's not in Miami tonight. He wasn't part of the, the traveling team, and they're forcing him to accept a move elsewhere. Like, they made... All their captains restructure their deals during the pandemic. They still owe PK money. Umtiti, because he got hurt, they like villainized and completely ruined his career. So, like to me, okay, like they're not going to be better than Madrid this year. They're not going to suddenly win the Champions League, and they're just digging themselves a bigger hole. Like Christensen and PK are going to be their starting center backs. Like, come on, I, let them continue to sign all this shit. They have like eight players that can only fill three positions now with Lewandowski, Obama, Yang, Ferran Torres, Ansu Fati. They have seven uh, center forwards, Depay, 16 wingers. Rafinha, Dembele. Like, it's chaos. They they don't know. They were they put themselves in a shithole, and, and now they're just digging until they can find their way out. So And to add on top of it, yeah, to add on top of it, they're also offering a pretty lucrative deal to Dave which is causing us even more problems. They want because, Kunde also. Yeah, and they want Kunde. I mean, <laughs> apparently they don't want to they don't want to get into a bidding they war. They want Marcus Alonso. Yeah. But I mean they're you know, I think like Dave they they're making it a really hard decision for him because obviously we love him, he loves us and he would love to stay, but I think the opportunity to play in his home country for a club like Barcelona and to make more money. Like if I'm him, it's kind of a no brainer, right? The better boot for him is to leave. Yeah. It, here's I mean, it's kind here's of a no -brainer. my thing though. Like 
I get it for Dave, and I think he should ride into the sunset, be home, try to make the World Cup. No hard feelings. None. None. Zero. Here's my question. When has – like, and this isn't a slight to Dave because styles vary between clubs. When has Dave ever played tiki-taka football? Like – I have a better question. When has Marcus Alonso ever played tiki-taka football? Right, right. So so those two moves – let them go. Like we've been trying to push Alonzo. Like every summer, we're trying to find a club for him. If this summer, Kunde coming in is the way that Alonso gets out, so be it. Like, yeah, I, I think Barcelona is, is a crazy thing. The 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 thing for me with Rafinha is that it went from done deal or Arsenal to done deal to us. So we made fun of Arsenal fans for making all these oh, photoshops yeah. of of Rafinha and Arsenal jerseys. Then we did it. And then 24 hours later, wait, pause, Barcelona might be in there. And it took like a whole week to resolve that. And it's just like, damn, we got, for a lack of a better term, we got cucked by Deco. Yeah, and that was the exact yeah. word I had in my head, too. I, I, I don't know how else to describe that. They <laughs> and just he scored today, us. too. And he scored he today for them. He scored and assisted twice in his debut. So good for him, damn. whatever. He took a massive pay cut to go there and beat Dembele's backup. But... And the Marcus Alonso thing, like, I'm worried because we don't know what's happening with Broja, and he could be our backup striker, <laughs> realistically. Like, I think I, I've, I've come to the point where it's like, I don't want to get rid of him anymore. Let's stick him in as striker, see what he could do, because <sighs> that's definitely a position that we are hurting in right now. <laughs> like, I, I, was, I told Andres earlier... Our two strikers, pretty much, we have Kai Havertz, who's a cam, who we're playing at striker, and then we have Timo Werner, who is a striker that we're playing as a winger. So, um, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah. and to speak of Timo, I don't think we actually had him here. Apparently, he was quoted today saying that kind of like leaving the door open for a move. Like he said something along the lines of like, I'll be happy as long as I'm playing. Like it can be anywhere. Yeah. So as long as I'm playing and scoring goals. Yeah. And then that, like, obviously the goal is to get into the world cup squad. So Timo now playing a couple of games where he's not really saying I want to leave, but if something good comes, I'll take it. And I mean, at this point I do think the squad is really, really big. Um, But Timo leaving, must mean that Broja going to London really is to work on his ankle. He was seen in pictures with his boot on. I don't see how Broja leaves if if Werner's leaving as well. All right, let's talk about um, one one rumor in particular, the Kunde rumor, which has been um, Kulabali esque in its persistence. Not quite as long, but. It's been over a year. We we agreed we agreed to personal terms with him a year ago and the deal is still not complete. Um quick question before we talk about it. Uh I don't I'm not sure. So he did get surgery on his groin or hamstring, right? Does yeah, there but do you guys Chelsea know how long was, apparently Chelsea was like very well aware of it even before the summer even happened or even before the summer started it was supposed so. to happen and then the yeah. injury made it like okay it has to happen now okay so the understanding was that he would he was going to get the surgery no matter what mm-hmm. okay and um do you know whether he would be back f- for the start of the premier league season 
Yes, yes that's, that would have that's, been that's the understanding. Plan. Okay. Right. So it's 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 this is the deal that has been long time coming. Um, it, it heated up, it cooled down, it heated up, cooled down. Um, today, uh, the other names that were being tossed around, Nathan Ake, that's not happening anymore. Kimpembe, apparently that's not happening either. He says he's happy at PSG and he's not looking to, to move. Um, according to Fab, Fabrizio Romano today, he said, Chelsea have told Sevilla... They will return with a new bid for Jules Koundé after the first one was refused 24 hours ago, which was uh, 55 million euros with uh, add-ons included. Um, Sevilla is looking for 65 million. And as we mentioned earlier, Barca is also in play now. Xavi is pushing, but they don't want to get into a bidding war with us. Um, so just imagining that back three of Kunde, Thiago Silva, and Koulibaly, it, that is making me drool. That mm-hmm. is the best back three probably that Chelsea has ever had in, in, in a back three system, um, you know, starting from the Conte days. I don't know if, there, if we ever tried it out before then. Um, excuse my ignorance, but that would be one of the best back lines in the world. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Kunde, Zach. What are your thoughts on the situation? Um, I like the idea of bringing in another center back. I know this is kind of off the topic of Kunde a little bit, but I know that we've been rumored to bring in not just Kunde, but another center back on top of him. I think one is just enough with the squad that we have at the moment, but especially if we bring in one of Kunde's quality, you know, someone at his age who could, or, to be honest, he's only going to get better. What is he, like 23, 22? Um, and he's versatile as well. So we know he could play across the front three. He played at a fullback and a back four as well. Um, so he's very comfortable on the ball. Passing range is exactly what we're looking for. I think he could either play on the left or right side of that back three, no matter who's playing in the middle, just because he's so progressive with the ball at his, with the ball at his feet. So he'll kind of mimic Rudiger in that sense where he loves to maraud forward and make those runs and pick out those passes and split the lines. So, look, bottom line is this is a great signing if we could pull it off. I just don't want to get caught into spending any more than we need to. I know Sevilla is asking for $65 million. I don't care what center back it is. It's a lot of money for a center back. So if this really is the guy that Tuchel wants to go after, then fine. Let's go after him. We'll get the deal done and, you know, see what happens. I think he could, I think he could have the quality and does have the quality to, to succeed here. But at the same time, I just, a part of me thinks that Sevilla is going to fuck us at the end of the day and just ask for that little bit more of money to try and trigger that bidding war that Barcelona wants to stay out of. So I don't know if we can pull it off for 65. Great. It doesn't, it doesn't strike me as a fantastic deal money-wise, but I think it could be in the long run just in terms of the potential that he has. I I actually think Chelsea coming back in with a bid to Sevilla is actually going to play into our hands because I, I hate how much we're talking about Barcelona, but they've been delaying and delaying all their deals and asking for their deals to be paid in installments because they don't have the money up front. So if we even get close to the the valuation Sevilla is asking for, I think that we can get this move done because they've already sold Diego Carlos. Uh, They signed a replacement for him, but they can't keep playing this game of limbo 
and and kind of shoot themselves in the foot because they're going to need to find a Kunde replacement as well. I think Kunde might have his feelings hurt a little bit that we've delayed this so much, but at the end of the day, he wants to play here as well. Now, the one thing about Kunde, I think he will play on the right side. That's where he played every single time out for Sevilla, same with France. But because it's a back three, I think this move works. In a back four, I'd be very afraid of his size and, and what that may be mean. But in a back three, this reminds me of how under Conte, Aspie was the right-sided guy, and, and he was there to pocket the kind of quicker wingers. So to me, I'm, I'm extremely excited about this move. Reese and Kunde can interchange. You mentioned, Zach mentioned Kunde is good at driving the ball forward. If he has the space, Reese can just cover for him real quick. He's perfectly adept at right center back, and you'll have Kunde bursting up the sidelines. So, yeah, the, the back three of, of Koulibaly, Thiago, and Kunde on our strongest day is, is beyond um, like memorable. And I think that we are setting ourselves up to have the the stingiest defense in the Premier League. And if if that that's the last signing that we get off this year, um, do you guys think that is a successful transfer window? It won't be. I think we need one more attacker. I think at the end of the day, whenever the Rafinha stuff was out in the air, it was always supposed to be Sterling plus one. And that's the thing that kind of worries me. Hakim Ziyech is being negotiated off to Milan. And Sterling is technically a left winger. So is Pulisic. So is Cho. Who covers the right wing if if we're not going to force one of those guys to play on the right side? So I I really, really hope that we're still targeting one, one more uh, potential right winger. I know Mount can do that in a 3-4-3, but Mount can't play. 100% of the minutes. So I'm hoping for at least one more attacking player. And if the rumors of Frankie de Jong are there and, and we are smart to, to kind of hop on the opportunity, I don't think it's a crazy position of need, but if we're going to get a good deal on, on that level of talent, much like how we did on Kai, it, it only makes our midfield stronger. I think that him and Kovacic in a midfield double pivot in a, in a four, two, three, one could be very formidable. Um, could also work in a 3-4-3. I just think that if that sort of talent is out there and he wants to come here, you can't really pass up on it, especially when two of our center mids are on the back end of their careers. Yeah, it sucks that... I mean, definitely our midfield is our strongest position right now. I mean, bringing Connor Gallagher back as well. I mean, I know Tuchel loves him. um, And... I mean, apparently he wanted to bring him in uh, last last year. He wanted to bring him back. But the club said that he would benefit more for playing more minutes at Crystal Palace. Um, and I think that was the right decision. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Frankie de Jong stuff, it's exciting. I don't know how to feel about that um, when our priority should be, like you said, a right winger. Zach, is there anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I think our priority should be a fullback. We need fullback cover, mm, right. whether that's a, a natural fullback or a natural wingback, whatever it is. We just need somebody that could slot in at either of those positions. If if Marcus Alonso is well on his way, well, well Marcus Alonso is a tricky situation because he's gotten in trouble with Tuchel a few times. We know that. And he wants to leave. 
Dave is obviously at the tail end, and I don't think anybody wants to see him play wing back anymore, including himself. I just don't know where the cover is going to be coming from if we're going to be playing, you know, 50 plus games this calendar year, 60 plus games. So that's the part that kind of worries me um, is the fact that we haven't really been linked with anybody. I mentioned it before the podcast. Maybe someone could help us out. Does anybody know where Dujon Sterling is? I know Tuchel liked him a lot last preseason. That could be potential cover at the wingback position. You know, I thought Ian Matson could potentially come in and be a player, but he immediately got sent out on loan to Burnley. Vincent Company really wanted him there. And then, you know, we brought Emerson back, which is fine, but he's playing left center back in the preseason. So who knows what his future is? I don't think anybody really knows. That's my concern is, you know, Reese is going to blow out his hammy again if he's going to have to play, you know, 45 games this year that's just the fact so we can't demand that much out of these younger players and burn them out so early in their career we need cover whether that's a veteran player or a younger player i don't care but for me more than a midfielder or more than another attacker it's a fullback two two things quickly about that uh first i don't know what happened to the jonathan klaus deal i'm, I'm so upset that that it fell through because i mean he's going to marseille for under 10 million euros he he wanted first team football because he's making a play at right back for the french national team because that's like the one position that they're not strong in but um that makes sense but 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 still i get the frustration eight million pounds is a fucking joke i mean even if you get that guy for a year and a half at eight million is a bargain nowadays and then the second thing i wanted to say and i'm serious about this i'm not this isn't a joke kennedy looked okay in the 45 <laughs> minutes he played, I mean, I think, like, if he were to play, like, 15 to 20% of the minutes at right wing back, I, I wouldn't be, like, it wouldn't be the worst thing. I just want to say, okay, let's try him at the left side first. He's sure, left right, like, right, yeah, yeah. Our wingbacks aren't supposed to be cutting in. That's the point of the front three. They're supposed to be giving us width and whipping the ball in and, you know, spreading out the team. If if Kennedy's playing left wing back and he makes Emerson get kicked out, great. I I just that's a part of preseason that's so tricky, man, because under Lampard, Ross Barkley looked like freaking Prime Zidane that offseason. And it's one of those things that it's like oh, I mean, Kennedy's always had that left boot that's like pretty strong like can he do it he had like a few minutes also at the end of last year where he also looked semi-decent in the premier league so it's just (sighs) i think i think there is there is a definitely a chance that he could he could have he could contribute this season and if we don't like like for me, it's contribute in the same way Malong Sar contributed last year. Sure. No, that's better. Fine. He'll yeah. be better. 15% of the minutes, 20% tops. Okay, but but okay, th- then I'll raise you this question. We have mid-table club on a Saturday, Champions League on a Tuesday. Do you play Kennedy as a wingback against the mid-table club on a Saturday and feel Definitely. comfortable with it? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I if mean, I we do. never felt comfortable with Malang Sar, and he started against Man City and did pretty good on true, a ninety-minute performance. So, like, it, it, this would be Kennedy's now. Like, he's had a half a season under Tuchel. Like, if Tuchel learns to trust Malang Sar, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I just think 
you're right. We don't have a concrete answer. Tuchel hasn't even come out and given us a concrete answer as to what the wing back, uh, I can't even talk, the wing back backup looks like. Emerson is back, so technically he's Chilwell's, but are we really going to put a left footer in Kennedy at right wing back all the time? Like, that seems like we're really forcing him to, he's going to have awkward angles with all his passing being or is Tuchel wide just like, right. Sorry to cut you off, but or is Tuchel just still so in love with playing Cho out there that he's just going to kind of count on Cho to be a wing back this season? But Cho played at the, in the front three in the off, in the first match. Yeah, and I, honestly, yeah, I thought he was going to start at wing back. I was surprised mm-hmm. to see him starting up front. My initial thought was, all right, Cho's going to be at right wing back, and then Kennedy will probably be starting like up front or something. But To, to be fair, the starting 11 was so confusing. Every Weird. single website and app had a different lineup, like yeah. the way the team was lined up. So who knows? I mean, yeah, just, just because – just, Yeah, exactly. Just because of that one match he didn't play in that right wing back doesn't mean he's, he, he won't this season. He definitely that's what will. I'm saying. He definitely will. Yeah. He loves he, – he'll play anyone at right wing back, honestly. That's what it seems like. Um, all right, let's move on, talk a little bit more about uh, some other current squad players. We did talk about Connor Gallagher, um, officially part of the squad. He will be integrated into the squad and will be um, a key piece uh, this season after his fantastic year last year. Um he was uh, quoted saying, Thomas Tuchel said he wants me to be a part of the squad and to prove myself in preseason. I'm happy with that and just willing to work as hard as I can to prove to him that I can play for Chelsea. Love that mentality. Um, you know, Given a kit number already. So if yeah. you are a big Gallagher fan, you can get a number 15 kit. Yeah. Um, Thomas Tuchel was quoted saying, with Connor, the same as a midfield player. Uh, I don't know what that means. Connor trains at a really high level, and you can clearly see it was the right decision to let him go on loan. He made a huge step in his development. Um, <laughs> a little bit of praise for Connor Gallagher, maybe also a dig at the other youngsters. Uh, we'll get yeah. into it a little bit more. Um, the Colwell um, fiasco, Armando Brogia possibly fiasco um zach uh what are your thoughts of uh, on uh the potential of connor gallagher making or getting consistent minutes this season i think he's going to be our quote-unquote 12th man um the nice thing with him is that he looks like he has the skill set to play in virtually any system so whether that's a back three or a back four, it looks like he could play the eight comfortably. He could play the 10 comfortably. And we know he chips in with goals and assists. Um, but the thing that impressed me the most, and you know, maybe just because it's preseason, but to be fair to Club America, I mean, they were pressing you know, relatively high to start the game out. And Connor Gallagher handled it pretty well. Um, the, and, and, and that's the thing that I like the most about him is just how calm he is on the ball, especially under pressure his ability to drop a shoulder and just kind of let the ball roll by him while he's getting pressed. Um, You know, the first time passes, um, the ability to pick out his pass before he even receives the ball. Um, I noticed one pass in particular that he completely whiffed, but the idea was on the money. And uh, he clipped the volley from about half field about 40 yard it was a 40 yard diagonal and it was way off the mark the left wing whack was making a run but i thought to myself i don't really mind that at all we don't have another midfielder 
in our squad that picks their head up and plays the long ball every now and then and just, you know, decides to look up and say, hey, maybe I have a runner. Um, so just because we have him, you know, playing in those positions, I think he'll be able to pick out those passes. And obviously he'll have an impact creatively. So I'm excited for him, man. I think I think um, I think this is a guy that's going to be here to stay for a while. And, you know, in terms of having young English midfield talent, Chelsea is definitely the most stacked. I mean, we got Connor Gallagher and Mason Mount. If you could get them in the midfield together, God help everybody. Andreas, anything you want to add on to that? I'm excited. I think that he can play in, in the pivot. I think he can play in the front three. In a back four, I think, like Zach said, a double eight of, of Mount and, and Gallagher could be really fun. I, I'm, I'm pumped for the kid. I think that he – I have – very high hopes for him. So, so for him to already get a kit number after just one match is, is I think a good sign. Uh, another youngster, uh, <laughs> just quickly for you non-American listeners, um, I'm so happy you did not have to listen to the uh, ESPN broadcast of, oh, of the Chelsea match. It was, frankly, it was embarrassing um, from the mispronunciations to uh, the, I mean, they called Ethan Ampadu uh, a young, promising English center back um, when, when he's, he's Welsh. So, um, and, and a natural to, midfielder. Yeah, and to top it all off, uh, <laughs> the, the stadium in Vegas, uh, after Mason Mount's beautiful goal, put his name as Mason Hunt. So he couldn't even get that part right. Frankly, uh, I mean, they're trying so hard to make the sport popular in America. You can tell with this tour, the new owners, they're doing, <laughs> they're doing a really bad job. I mean, I, I know all of those, all of these, uh, these like blunders are non-Chelsea blunders. It was ESPN and the stadium and stuff. But still, come on. You guys are... Got to get our shit together before the World Cup, man. <laughs> yeah. We cannot we embarrass ourselves. Four more years. We have four years to get our shit together. Um, and, you know, we can't have Christian Ronald scoring a goal uh, for Portugal, okay? <laughs> Suey. Christian Ronald. Suey. Suey. Um, but Ampadu, <laughs> speaking of Ampadu... Um, he was quoted saying that he will play in any position for Thomas Tuchel in order to help, um, in order to make and help the first team. He's been impressing Thomas Tuchel in training, apparently. Um, Andreas, I know you're a big fan of of the the young English center back. Um, <laughs> what are your What are your thoughts on on him this season? I mean, he's one of those super flexible players. I when he first got here, I remember. Conte played him in midfield in like the the Carabao Cup. I believe it was still the Capital One Cup then. And it was like this kid was just bullying grown men at 18 years old. It's crazy. It's been years since he got here and he's only 21. I think that his loan at Sheffield is is undervalued because he got to play across a, a back three. And at times he looks really good. He didn't get crazy amounts of minutes at Leipzig. But then when he played in the Champions League, he stepped up and just balled out, um, and I'm pretty sure they won that match. Uh, 
at under it Wales, he plays DM in a four three three and looks completely comfortable in that position. And then he gets put into the back three here for Tuchel for the first time. And, and I thought he was immaculate back there. I think that if we if we were trusting Christensen to back up Tiago Silva, I think this guy can be the the Tiago Silva backup and be better than what Christensen was putting out for us. I think that he was actually trying, you know, passes that were progressive. I think that he was trying to take some some more risks from the back instead of just trying to keep a hundred percent completion rate by passing it sideways. And if we ever want to switch systems again, you have a guy that's ready to be that true holding midfielder that protects your back line. And, you know, I think Statman Dave or somebody posted recently that like no player has been carded more. That's currently part of the Chelsea squad than Ethan Ampadu. And to me, we need that. I don't know the <laughs> last time we had a just dog, like a dude with a bite that just is going to stomp on you and give you a yellow. Cause you just looked at him funny. Like, Sometimes you need a guy like that. Rudiger was reckless, but I don't think we had a guy with that sort of like bad boy, old school defending attitude the way Ethan Ampadu has shown over the years. So, yeah, I, I think that he would be amazing. We talked about our back three. I think that having just as good of a second set of defenders for that back three is important. Chalaba is a known commodity for this team. If if Ampadu can be one of those guys, I think that that's a great first step for the guy at 21 years old. I think it's becoming increasingly obvious what players Tuchel's going to like and what players he's not going to like in terms of all of our loanees. The key word is tactical flexibility, and that's what you were touching on, Andres. He can play anywhere. You know, I, I honestly think that in a back four, he could even play as a right back if you absolutely needed to, sort of as a, uh, sort of as a auxiliary right back, um, kind of like Koundé can. But primarily, I'd like to see him playing as a dm when we're you know sitting on leads we need somebody to go out there and just kick the shit out of the other team for 20 minutes but also as a center back um i think he could he could put in work for us look i've been a fan of him since he came into the club i remember that first game that you mentioned he came on and i think he tore someone's knee like he went into the tackle so hard the guy got stretchered off and that's just the exact profile of a guy that we need to come off the bench you want an intimidator you want a shithouser but you also want somebody that's technically good as well so you know Ampadu sort of has that full package in that sense the fact that he's played in the midfield is great because it means he's calm on the ball and we, and he, we saw bits and pieces with his passing he's not afraid to put his laces through the ball I mean he really zips those things in there so those midfielders got to be ready guys like uh, Jorginho specifically looked like he had a really good connection with early on. I know Jorginho is the type of player that makes himself available for that, you know, short, you know, uh, that short pass to sort of break the initial press anyways. And I think maybe having a guy like Ampadu in there that has a sort of vision similar, not exactly the same, but similar to Thiago Silva or a David Luiz type where he can look, pick his head up and split those lines is going to help us. So I think just like Connor Gallagher, I, I'm sounding like a broken record, but Again, this is another guy that I feel like can be here for a while if Tuchel's reign is for, you know, another few years here. I can definitely see, see Tuchel falling in love with him the same way he fell in love with a Mason Mount and the same way that he's falling in love with a Connor Gallagher. He likes the guys that put their heads down and work and, you know, roll their socks up after a challenge, not bitch at the referee. You know, that's the type of profile of guy he's looking at. And we talked about Trevor Chalaba as well. You know, you just look at what he said about all these new incoming players saying, well, that just means I got to train harder and work harder. You know, 
it's that mentality that Tuchel's drawn to. And I think all of these players that we've mentioned have fit that sort of same profile. And I think that's the profile for, for you know, a, a trophy-winning, successful club. So we're bringing those characters in. Now they're in and around the dressing room, and I think it's only going to be a net positive for us. So good on Ampadu for getting into the squad. I think it's not crazy to say that he could eventually push for a starting spot um, at some point this season if, you know, one of our center backs do go down with an injury. It'll be between him and Trevor Chalaba for, you know, that that third center back spot. So I'm excited for him. Yeah, I mean, with all of that competition at center back now, we were, we were left in, in a spot at the end of last season not knowing how many center backs we'd have this year. Like, we really realistically had one or two. Now it seems like um, we have a center back problem with too many and um, one of the players in particular who's not um, – who doesn't have that mentality that you talked about right now um, is Levi Colwell. And the saga right now with him, um, you know, the Athletic dropped an article saying that uh, Levi will seek to leave Chelsea if the club signs more defenders. Um, of course, uh, Levi Colwell, one of – the most touted prospects, um, you know, in, in recent years, to be honest, probably our number one rated prospect to come out of Cobham, honestly, um, and had a great season at Huddersfield last year on loan. Um, I would love to keep him, but he's 19 years old and he's, he's not looking forward to the competition of fighting for a spot. And, I mean, in all honesty, if we bring in Jules Koundé, he's not getting that spot over Jules Koundé if we spend $65 million on him. You know, it, like, we're not bringing in that guy to, to play a 19-year-old over him. Um, but I think his insistence on pushing for a move is, is was really uh, – it, it, it caught Twitter, Chelsea Twitter, on fire because – we have PTSD from letting young players go before giving them an opportunity and them flourishing. Um, and I'm worried about that too. I think if any deal happens, there must, must, must be a buyback, a buyback clause. Um, but Andreas, what are your, what's your uh, thoughts on the whole situation? Well, so my big thing is, Whenever the opera happened is we signed Koulibaly and then the, the next headlines like Ake is happening in the next day. And that would mean that there would be two new transfers that would play at left center back, which is Levi Colwell's position, whether it's a back four or a back three. He's left footed. That's where he played at Huddersfield um, during his loan. That's where he's played for Chelsea's Academy. And then came the uproar. He's, He's gone. He's as good as gone. But I've yet to hear a quote similar to Timo Werner's from the kid. Everything says it's like his camp has said that he'll push for a move. I mean, he posted a picture at training with like the shush emoji, like within 24 hours of all these stories coming out. And, you know, if if he was to be moved on loan or to be sold, he would have been sent to the U23s like Harvey Vale or or Billy Gilmore, or even back to London, the way Armando Broja has gone back to. 
So I think there's a lot of smoke around because it is such an easy narrative. And it is, like you said, PTSD with, you know, Gehi who left or Livermento or Lamptey or uh, Tamori going to AC Milan. But I think there's more to this story because for one, the, I believe the loan, the loan rules are changing. So we can't just loan 50 kids left and right. There's something like within the next three to five years, you're, the, every club is going to have to loan less and less amount of players so that clubs like us can't just corral all the talent in the world. But at 19 years old, I thought that the original article said that he wanted minutes the way Trevor Chalaba got minutes. And, and to remind everyone, Chalaba was Aspie's backup. Like he was never supposed to be starting in the back three and he earned his way there. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to uh, like outstage Koulibaly, but maybe the plan isn't for Koulibaly to play in the left side. Maybe Tiago isn't going to get as many minutes and Koulibaly will be in the middle sometimes. I think six center backs for three positions will still get him plenty of minutes. We get five subs in the Premier League. We played 60 matches this last year. There's a World Cup in December. Our first team could get fucked with injuries in December, and then we're going to have to rely on your Ampadus, your Gallaghers, your Colwills, your Brogias, because you don't know what's going to happen in the World Cup. When was the last time there was a Winter World Cup? That could screw with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Players go, come back, COVID. Like, there is so many factors, and I think it would be so immature from his team and, and him specifically to not just wait. There's a reason he wasn't sent to the U23s. Like, there is reasons why he's still in the in the with the first team now and i don't think it's to to make his price go up by five million so that everton pays 35 instead of 30 i think that we're looking more to it the kid has like the stature the size the frame he's not a small guy i think it's just a matter of you have to nourish and, and and cold like slowly bleed in talent like this you can't be telling every 19 year old that they're the next fucking maldini Like, that's not how it freaking works. If you want to put that pressure on a 19-year-old, your goals are to avoid relegation, not to compete with City and Liverpool. Liverpool signed Kanate for $50 and it took the guy two-thirds of a season to get starting minutes. Colwell will get his time. He's 19 years old. Uh, As fans, we need to stop telling these 19-year-olds that they're ready to be first-teamers at Chelsea. That's not how it works. He's not completely blocked. If we got Kimpembe and Ake, I'd say you're right. That kid, we fucked up. He's gone. It's as good as gone. But the only left-sided three-at-the-back player in the club right now is Koulibaly. And he's not going to play 100% of the minutes at left center back. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's – I need people just need to calm down. The kid is still with the team today. If he wasn't in the plans, he would be with the U23s playing against second division MLS teams like the U23s did today. Yeah, I, I I can't really judge him because like you guys, I, we're hearing 17 different versions of this story. One version is Colwell wants to leave. Another version is Colwell hasn't said shit. Another version is Colwell's camp is pushing him, but he wants to fight for it. How many different versions of this are we going to get Like a, 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 as fans and how many of it are we going to buy? Because I feel like we we get tricked into buying these stories so often and it becomes so frustrating for our point of view. My point of view especially because I have to go on my Twitter and see the same bullshit day after day after day after day after day 
when literally no movement has happened on that deal whatsoever. So I'm not going to judge Levi Colwell or his team because who knows what they're thinking. He could, he could want to stay. He could want to leave. We don't know. It hasn't been confirmed. What I will say is this. As a 19-year-old coming to Chelsea or coming back to Chelsea from a loan, one successful loan spell, that is, you can't step in and just demand minutes. That's not how this works. Obviously, the minutes have to be earned. Tuchel's a manager that is hell-bent on players earning their minutes and earning their time. He doesn't give players minutes based on past performances with other teams, especially in the championship. So for me, it's it's more a matter of a toxic mentality with some of these youth players, you know, especially the ones that do want to leave. They sort of think that, hey, I have I have to get these minutes at Chelsea. I earned them at fucking Southampton or I earned them at Huddersfield or I earned them at Derby County or wherever it is. That mentality just has to go because every player that's come back from loan from Chelsea has experienced putting on the blue shirt and playing for us in a competitive match is way different than playing for your loan club. You know, there's there's different standards. There's a different level of play. You have to hit the ground running here. So you can't make that call as to whether you deserve to leave until you get your chance here. Until you get, you know, your three or four appearances to show Tuchel, hey, you can give me something. You could add value to this team. You know, take these 20 or 30 minutes that he's going to give you in the next preseason game and use it to fucking shove your case down his throat instead of just talking, I guess. For me, it's, it's, it's frustrating because we have let a lot of great talent go. Like, I'm thinking of guys like Mark Gahey, for example, more recently, you know, a center back that didn't play with us at all but could have easily gotten minutes last season and Andres just to kind of back up your point about you know Levi Colwell getting minutes Malang Sar got over 20 appearances last year so who the fuck is to say that Colwell can't do the same here especially with five subs just like you said if we're going to start Tiago Silva as that middle center back you better bet your bottom dollar that Tuchel's going to use one of those five subs to bring Tiago off 90% of the time I mean, and we're going to see it, it, a lot it, of rotation with Koulibaly probably playing at, at right. in, in the middle exactly. of the back three. Which naturally you would shift Cole. Like if we're sitting on a on, on a three goal lead or a two goal lead with five minutes left, throw Cole out on that side. You know, and you, and you mentioned it. There's midweek matches. If we got a lead, mm-hmm. there's ten minutes left or five minutes left. You take out the key. You take him out. You put the kid in. Like things like that will happen. And there's and, opportunities for him to start. Yeah, exactly. To, to start matches, not just come Trevor on as Chalibre. a sub. Trevor and, Chalaba, and here's, here's he can come part. in and play the fifth. He can have a good fifteen-minute cameo and a, a good training session following that. And all of a sudden, Tuchel wants to throw him into the starting lineup the very next game. Tuchel is that kind of manager. He will do that for you. So as a player, you have to kind of gauge that situation and say, like, who am I playing for? He's not playing for Mourinho, who's not going to give him any minutes whatsoever. You know, he's playing for a guy that's, you know, if if I put my head down and work and prove that I'm good enough. I'll get the minutes and I'll play. And Chalaba went from getting a loan to 24 hours later starting the Super Cup because Aspie got sick to then starting the first match of the Premier League and scoring in his debut. And then if it wasn't for, I don't even remember what happened. He got Mm -hmm. like, he missed like 10 games after like, we all knew he was a starter at that Mm -hmm. point in the season. So 
the thing with Cole is like, wait, just wait. We don't know what the plan is. Tiago Silva is not a spring chicken, and and we are we worked him a lot last season. So and to be and to be fair, Koulibaly isn't either. Right, right. And again, there's five subs. We want to compete in all fronts. Like we need to keep these players fresh. If we learned anything from last season, is we can't just work these guys to the ground. But the last thing on the whole youth thing, everyone is so quick to be like, Chelsea fails their academy and Chelsea fails the youth for one our team last season had Reese James Mason Mount Chalaba that's three full on and Cho at one point four Cobham players in the starting 11 in Premier League matches I believe there was one game where there was five or mm-hmm. no it was all English but there was four Cobham players that started tell me the last time City or Liverpool started multiple games with that many youth products, like the goal of the Chelsea Academy, believe it or not, is not 100% to fill in the first team. It's to produce the best young talent in Europe, and they're doing it. These players come, and they go, and they immediately perform somewhere. You're never going to keep a Livermento and a Lamptey when a Reese James exists in the first team. Mark Gahey, he might be fantastic. He was a puss and didn't even come to preseason. And guess what Chalaba did? He said, Oh, okay, one less guy to compete with. I'm going to make my name. Gallagher went on loan, came back. Tuchel said, thank God you're staying this time around. Like, you're fucking 19, 18. You're going to be playing against men in their 30s. You you will have your time if you put in the hard work. Not everyone is Messi. Not everyone is Mbappe. Like, not everyone has to be starting at 19 years old. Phil Foden sat for four years at City before becoming a starter under Pep. Four years. After everyone was blowing the kid as the best English talent in the world, he sat for four years. Mm -hmm. We're not failing these youth. You, the, The England fans that think, oh, we're failing them. These kids are going elsewhere and playing and earning their minutes. Declan Rice is the captain at West Ham. Lee Romento's a starter in the Premier League. Gahey's a starter in the Premier League. Like, Chelsea's academy is not a failure. And... If we're trying to compete with the best of the best, we're going to have to buy players sometimes too. It's just how it works. My thing is people are so delusional if they think that every single player that passes through the academy is going to make our first team. If we, You can't have it both ways. If we really want to be a team that challenges for not only the Premier League but the Champions League every single year, we're not having 11 Cobham products in our starting 11. That's just not going to happen. You'll be lucky no. if you have three like we did have. So – to go out and say, oh, every single youth player needs a pathway to the first team, bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on it every single time because the player has to be not just good. He has to be spectacular. Mason Mount spectacular. Reese James spectacular. One of the best in your positions in the world. Bottom line. So you can't just kind of come in and like, you know, demand, hey, I need these minutes. No, they got to be earned because you're not just walking into like a Southampton or, you know, a mid-table or championship club, you're walking into Chelsea Football Club. You're playing with the best players in the world. When international break goes around, the whole first team disappears. Like, it happens for a reason. You know, you're you're playing with full-fledged internationals and grown-ass men, like Andres said. It's just so frustrating. And and, and I think this whole argument, I think I could speak for all of us here, definitely speaks to the Broja situation also. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah, I mean, the, the rumors are that he's most likely gone to West Ham. Um, apparently, um, David Moyes has been given 150 million pounds, uh, 
to play with this this uh, off season. I don't know. Have, have they bought anyone? Anyone of uh, of note at I'm least? Not too I mean, sure. I'm sure, I'm I... sure they've they've definitely done moves because there was a point where us and Everton were the only two teams to not buy a player. So they've definitely bought someone. But um, hey, how about we make that um, a 220 million dollar budget? And you just uh, give us Declan Rice, you know. So uh, yeah, let's 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 do it. Um, but yeah, apparently that he's already agreed to personal terms. Um, we don't know what's happening. Tuchel insists that he's returned to England purely for treatment. Um, as as Andreas alluded to, it, it makes sense. Um, we're definitely. It, it would actually hurt a lot to lose him because we need that depth, that striker. And he's our number two striker right now, which is is not the most comforting thing to, to say because he's also inexperienced. Um, he has some, he has Premier League experience, but he's not, he's not a top level striker. Um, I'm sorry. We, we also have Mishi Batshui. <laughs> Batshui, yeah, again, this is another ESPN butcher. Over one time he said Batashu. One time he said like Batashi or something like that, and had to Michelle, apologize. Michelle the other Batashi. announcer just started laughing. Unreal. So bad. So bad. So, I mean, I don't know what if we if you guys want to add anything to the Brogia situation. I think it, it kind of everything that you said about the Colwell thing is transferable to that. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I think, like, again, how old is Broja? 21? Like, Kai has also not proven that he can be a standalone nine for a full season as much as we love him and see the potential. And and the one thing with strikers is you play the hot hand. Like, again, speaking of guys that took on their opportunity, the year that Harry Kane busted into the scene, he was an unknown academy kid that floated through, like, six loans and then started scoring. Like, Broja, Kai can hurt his ankle one game, and then Broja could get four starts, and the next thing we know, Tuchel's forced into playing a two-striker system because he has to play both guys. Like, so many things can happen. And, like, Broja was playing at Southampton. He could be playing in a Champions League match if we clinch our group early enough. Like, I, I just... I, obviously, I'm not a professional player in my early 20s to think about this, but I just think you have to look at the bigger picture. You will get better playing with these guys. Like you will improve and you will get the minutes. If we're tied with 20, 30 minutes left in a match, we add a second striker. We would mm -hmm. add a Broja. We would like, he will get the minutes. I just, we have five subs now and Tuchel used his subs in like every game. I, Sometimes we didn't like the subs, but he used them. Yeah. I, for me, this is more frustrating than the Colwell situation because his pathway is way clearer than Colwell's. It's it's as One clear player. as fucking day for anybody. Timo Werner doesn't score goals, and Kai Havertz isn't consistent enough. That's the exact situation you want to be in if you're a striker competing for a starting spot. I mean, all it takes is for him to bang in a hat trick in a cup match, or to bang in a a double or in a or just matter. score once off a of even scoring once in the league <laughs> to just fucking get the ball rolling. Like, 
and this is a guy that we know has the potential to be insanely good. He kind of he kind of he's cut from the Diego Costa cloth a little bit in that sense. But to from his perspective, this is what I don't understand. I would make the argument that his pathway to the first team is clearer at Chelsea than it is at West Ham. Mikel Antonio is West Ham's highest goal scorer ever. He's a legend at the club. And he's only 31. So Broja's not beating him out for the starting spot on opening day. And uh, I, I don't think so. No, I mean, he didn't score like any goals after January, though. Like he was hot in the fall and then he like didn't score. So like there's an argument there. But mm, at the end of the day, it's like yeah. you're going to go to West Ham and sure, you're going to get more minutes. But like it's like such a short-sighted way of thinking like the trajectory of his career goes completely elsewhere at that point because then you'll just be jumping around sixth to eighth place teams because that's you're going to be known as the guy that can score for the sixth place team at best because let's be real the, the Premier League got stronger there's no way West Ham gets inside the top six again like I don't I see mean, that he can you he... have beneath us you got Spurs Arsenal and and Man United who've all Leicester. gotten better Leicester's probably not going to be as Newcastle. bad Newcastle's got a shit ton of money so my point is he's going to be what mid-table blah forever because the argument then going to become is that he can only score for mid-table teams can he do it in a big team like he's going to get used to playing the way that teams think against mid-table teams which is what happened to Lukaku there was plenty of space for him to run into all the time because nobody feared Southampton if you don't fear West Ham, you're going to have the space to run into again. And sure, he'll score 13, 14 goals. But then what? Then what? Like you're going to just cruise and, and play for Armenia and start for Armenia. And that's it. Like, I don't know. I think it's short-sighted just because you're not starting at 21 years old. Again. Did you say I Armenia? Get... Where's he from again? Albania. Albania. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Who's from Armenia? Is that Dua Lipa? Am I confusing? What's going on? No, no, no. She's no, Albanian from well. Albania too. Albania too. I knew <laughs> The same you're, just, you're thinking of Henrik Mkhitaryan. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, man, yeah. Man, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But yeah, the point remains: like, he's your kids, man. Like, wait your turn. Nobody's asking you to rot on the bench. You're gonna play. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that. That and, situations. It should show. Um, I know we have a, a match coming up tomorrow. We play what? Charlotte FC. Mm-hmm. Is yep. the name of Charlotte the team? FC. Okay, I don't don't know what to expect from that. You know, we'll 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 get to see probably a rotation of all the players, just like last match. Um, but one thing I wanted to touch on, um, Billy Gilmore and Harvey Vale, both not getting opportunities um, with with the team right now, where Tuchel is electing to play, you know, Malang Sar, who we we've already seen. We, he knows what he's going to look like. Ross Barkley, he definitely knows what he's going to get out of him. Kennedy, I, you could make an argument that it's a trial to see how he'd play at right wing back. Um, but with Billy Gilmore and Vale, I think you know these preseason friendlies, it's, it's a trial to see how these guys are going to play with the rest of the first team. You don't need to. You don't need to see what Barkley is going to look like. You don't need to see what Malongsar is going to look like. Billy Gilmore and Harvey Vale. I think they're not 
be given a fair chance. Um, but I don't know if you guys have a different thought on, on, on the situation, Zach. I mean, with Billy Gilmore, I've been pretty adamant since last season's disaster loan that he might need another loan to make himself not just more confident, just to sort of establish a better name for himself in the Premier League. But the thing with him is that he's being linked with a permanent move away. So, again, you know, stick around. Take another loan spell. You have Frank Lampard at Everton, who could get the best out of you, has gotten the best out of you. If you want to – and for him especially, if you do want to transfer away and you want to stay within England, go on a loan to Everton, get on the good side of the board over there, and convince them to buy you at the end of the season. How not that a crazy idea for someone like Billy Gilmore? Instead of just asking for a permanent loan right now or a permanent transfer right now, you know, it, it's low risk, high reward for you. You can take this chance. Play a year on loan. You know Lamps is going to give you minutes somewhere. You know, if, especially if you go to Everton, you know you're going to get minutes at that club. See if you play well. If you do, great. You're in the Chelsea team next year. You're in the next Connor Gallagher. If not, now you ask for your move. You're still 22, 23 years old. It's just, it'll be frustrating if he leaves because I know Andres is the biggest fanboy of him ever, and rightly so. The kid's fucking talented. It would be a kick in the balls because we know what kind of potential he possesses. I mean, he bossed Liverpool for us two years ago, and now you're telling me he could barely get a game in the Premier League? So if it's a matter of confidence or if it's his injury, whatever it is, I do think a loan is the best option for him. I'm completely against the idea of selling him. I think that would just be terrible. But with Harvey Vale's a little different. Harvey Vale, I'm not too worried about him leaving. Um, you know, Tuchel's been... Tuchel's talked about him quite a quite a lot for somebody that just doesn't play whatsoever, um, and I think there's something about the kid that you know keeps him around the squad, that keeps him around the first team. I think he's been training with the first team for a reason. So I know he's been sent back to the U23s to get game minutes. Maybe that's just to fast track his um, you know fitness so he can get a loan or he can get the move that he wants. But that's another guy. Both of these guys, they both need to go on loan and just get minutes. They need to get confidence under their belts, and they need to get that experience and prove that they're good enough. That's just the bottom line. I mean, I I, I hate the sound. I hate if I'm coming off as negative, but that's just the fucking reality. We're a top club. We have to start. These players have to start thinking that they're competing for a spot at a top club. No, and and that's here's the thing, Zach. I don't think the point is about what their next move is this season. I think the point is those two guys can benefit from a preseason while the loans are being dealt with. Like you mm. can, you can't tell me that a 17 year old kid can't learn wh how much work you're supposed to put in, in a preseason from the big boys. Then, then going back to the U 23s where he's the big dog. Like that's my thing. Like what, what more like after X amount of years of Ross Barkley, just being nobody and getting one appearance in a season, What's he going to benefit from a preseason? Let him be in Europe where he can be close to at least having his agent try to pitch him to other clubs. Like, what is Malang Sar going to get? Like, Vale, Gilmore too. Like, you put them in the group and you teach them and they learn from the the, the, the Thiago Silvas, the N'Golo Contes, the Mateo Kovacic's. Like, how do you handle yourself in the preseason? Hear from them. What have you done on your time off to stay in good shape? Like, what have you – like? 
how much quicker do they play with the ball in, in little drills for you to see the difference between where you are and where you need to be? Like those are things that I think are valuable to these kids. Let them feel that they can be here because at the end of the day, we fuck up if Ross Barkley steps on the pitch at Chelsea. Like, why is he here? Mishi Bajuai, why is he in this preseason? I don't care. Like, Harvey Vale can play striker. Why is mm-hmm. Mishi getting those minutes? Like, I agree with you on that. What is the benefit there? Like, let yeah. them learn without promising them that they'll be in the first team. Harvey Vale gets a championship loan this year. Billy Gilmore knows he needs a new loan. Like, that's just how it is. And and both should look at a loan. You talked about Gilmore looking for a permanent deal. Conte and Jorginho may not be here this year or next year. They may not be here. That's two center mids. So to me, it's just let those guys have the experience of a preseason with the team to see where they need to get to. What does it take to stay here rather than like, hey, you're surplus. Bye. You can go be lazy and be the top dog with the 23s and – not learn anything this summer that's why this pisses me off versus like the difference with the Colwell and the broja like these guys could have gotten something out of the preseason without us having to promise them minutes that's all yeah i mean from that from that front i completely agree why not give them the time it, 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 from there has to be something else brewing you know it can't just be a uh, shit luck on their part there, there, there has to just be more to the story that we don't know. Um, but we don't have that because uh, we're not insiders. So sorry to disappoint you all. But that does bring us to the end of this episode, guys. Uh, we did get through it. Um, there is a preseason game tomorrow, as Saw mentioned, against Charlotte. Um, we'll do our best to record um, after that. Hopefully we should have another signing to report if all the signs um, are true. So... If you're not already make sure you're following us on twitter uh at blues on parade um and until next week we'll keep the blue flag flying high